Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just open our hearts to the living truth of the word of God. And God, I pray that your word would go past all of the cares of this life and the worries that we're facing and that your word would penetrate our hearts and it would change and it would transform us and that your word would bring life and illumination, that our minds would be transformed and that we'd become more like you and we'd fulfill your plan, your purpose, and your destiny for each one of us on this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love this series, Born. Jesus was born with a purpose. Jesus was born the gift of God to the world that he gave his only son. And he was born that we might have life. Uh, we're in part three today, and we're talking about born legacy. I want to give a big shout out and thank you to Pastor Matt and Pastor Brad. They're, they're wonderful sermons on part one and part two. And today, as we dive into the born legacy, it's because Jesus was born that we can be born again. It tells us in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, it says, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters being born again, coming into the family of God. Well, we are called to carry on the legacy, the ministry of Jesus Christ. The word legacy means this. It's something handed down from an ancestor or a predecessor or from the past. It's, it's something of value. It, it, in our world, it, it could be an item. It could be, it could be money. But there's something greater than those physical elements. It's passing down character, passing down integrity, passing down the love of God, the goodness of God, the kindness of God. And Jesus is asking us to carry on his legacy. And too many times we don't truly see or know what we have been given, what has been transferred, the legacy that has been given from one generation to the next. And a lot of times if you don't know what you have, you can't give it away. And the enemy likes us to feel like we're bankrupt. You have no friends, you have no money, you have no future, you have no hope, nothing is working for you, and he tries to convince us that we are bankrupt. But God has done some amazing things. On your notes this morning, we have been adopted into God's family. Now this, this is nice words. If you just sit here in church or you're watching online, welcome to all of you. If, if, if you just read this, that's just nice words. But when you understand the power of adoption, I loved when, when Dion and Lizette shared their story and they got the adoption papers that said, these children are legally yours. And how was it stated? And they're more yours? As if they were born from the womb. They are legally yours as if they were born from the womb. Now think about this. We all look at Jesus, the son of God, the only son who God sacrificed so he could have more sons and he could have more daughters. And that 
we have been legally adopted and we hold the same value. This is, our minds cannot comprehend this. But to the creator of the heavens and the universe, to God Almighty, you hold the same value as Jesus does. God is able to do abundantly above all that we can think, dream, or imagine. That, that's a mind blower there. That when God looks at you, his heart is just ripping with joy and gladness and honor and respect and love. And when God looks at his son Jesus, he has honor and respect and love. But what Jesus did is he made us a way to be a part of the family of God, to come into a place of acceptance. Ephesians chapter one says it this way, even before he made the world, God loved us and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. I'm gonna pause right there. You see, when, when you have your own biological child, what comes out is what you get, right? You have decided in advance that it's, it's yours. You made it, it's your people, all right? You created your people. But when it's an adoption, Kim and I have three children for adopt that were are adopted. And the adoption agency brought us in, especially on our first two, brought us in because they were a private adoption. This was back in the late 80s, early 90s. They were private adoption, and they called and they said, you've been selected. And so we come in, and they show us a photo of the, of the newborn, and not one newborn is pretty. Yours isn't pretty. Mine isn't pretty. They're not cute. Their face is smashed. And, and, and why we do that to children just when they've just come through the tunnel of love that we take a picture. That just came out. I didn't mean I didn't have that. It wasn't in. <laughs> and we're going, to, let's snap a picture. <laughs> I remember we looked at our, and, and when we go into the adoption office, they literally said, if you want this child, you need to start signing paperwork and you need to write a check. Watch, we had a choice. But look what God said about his adopted kids. He chose us in advance. He chose us before we came out. Now, with our son Preston, our third child, it was an open adoption, and this is where the birth mother chooses who she's going to place the child with. And so before we ever met Preston, before we'd ever officially named Preston, we had met with the birth mother and we agreed, we're taking this child to parent and to love and to honor and to respect and to raise as our own. And if he comes out with, with one finger, if he comes out with one leg, we've already said we're accepting in advance that's the love that God has for you. 
It's not based upon what you do. It's not based upon who you are. It's not based upon what you look like. It's based upon his love and admiration for you. He chose to adopt us in advance, to be a part of his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and gave, it gave him great pleasure. Galatians 3.26, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. The Message Bible in Galatians chapter 4 says this, you can tell for sure that you are now fully adopted as his own children because God sent the spirit of his son into our lives crying out, Papa, Father, doesn't that privilege of intimate conversation with God make it plain that you are not a slave but a child? And if you're a child, you're also an heir with 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 complete access to what? Say it. The inheritance. Complete access to the inheritance. Because the enemy says God loves everyone but you. The enemy tries to tell us in our head that that God loves and accepts all, but you don't get the full inheritance because of what you've done. No, God says you deserve full inheritance. You see, we must embrace our inheritance on your notes and carry out the legacy of Jesus Christ. We've got to embrace that inheritance of who we are and what we have. When we were saved, that word saved means, the Greek word is sozo. And, it, and when we say we get saved, a lot of people are like, well, I'm going to heaven. If I died today, I would go to heaven. When you get saved, you get a whole lot more than just eternal life and eternity in heaven. That word sozo means deliverance, healing, restoration, and blessing. You see, when you are adopted into the family of God, you're redeemed from the curse of the law. You're forgiven of all sins. You're redeemed from poverty and sickness. God declares you righteous and holy. He removes your sins as far as the east is from the west. He gives his angels charge over you to guard and protect you. He places his Holy Spirit on the inside to be your helper, your comforter, and your standby. He says that you are justified by your faith faith in Christ and not by your works. He declares us winners and triumphant in Christ, that nothing is impossible unto us and that God will supply all of our needs. He'll heal our bodies. He will minister miracles and healings in signs and wonders. He's given us his written word so that there is no confusion about his will and purpose for our lives. He gives us the fruit of the Spirit He has anointed us. We have eternity in heaven and we are a child of the most high God. We are a child of the creator of the heavens and the universe. And God says, that is the legacy I have passed on to you and I want you to take what I have given you, this inheritance that I have blessed you with and I need you to go be my hands, to go be my feet, to go into the highways and the byways and I need you to tell others of this goodness. And I need you to pass on the legacy that Jesus began 2,000 years ago. So what is that legacy? Let's dive into it. Number one, it's a legacy of love. 
a love for people of every age, race, sex, demographic, and sinful nature. God doesn't, God doesn't love one sex above the other. God doesn't, God doesn't love a, a, a person from one nation or another. God doesn't prefer one race over another. God doesn't say, well, you've only committed a little sin and you've committed a lot of sin. God loves the sinner and the saint. He loves us all equally. And we have to love in that way. You see, love doesn't choose. And love doesn't judge. And love doesn't reject. But we as humans do. We choose and we judge and we reject. Well, I don't like the way they look. I don't like the way they responded to me. I don't like which side of the tracks they're from. I don't like the color of their skin. I don't like their sexual preference. I don't like, I don't like, I don't like. I'm not going to love. Unconditional love means that if I have a fire hose up here and I push that lever and I spray, I'm going to get all of you wet, whether you're white, black, yellow, brown, green, purple, whether you're male, female, educated, uneducated, that I'm going to spread the water and it's going to be impartial as to who it hits. That's the love of God. We don't choose, well, I'm going to squirt a little on you. I love you, and I'm going to squirt a little on you because I connect with you. No, the love of God is a spray that says, I'm going to love anyone and everyone. Are you with me? You see, the greatest need in humanity is love, and the greatest lack in humanity is love. Love is the whole meaning and purpose of Christmas. And see, where the church has missed it is in years gone by, we have led with the law, thou shalt not, versus leading with love. The first legacy that we have to pass on to our world around us is that God so loved the world, that God so loves you, I love you, I respect you, and I desire a relationship with you to show you into the relationship with Almighty God. We have to lead with love and not with the law. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2 says, Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. You see, God loves the wealthy and the poor. He loves the young and the old. The disciples, the disciples didn't know this because when the parents were bringing their children to have Jesus lay their hands on them and bless them, the disciples said, hey, 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 get away, get away. The master's busy. And it says that Jesus rebuked them and said, bring these little ones unto me. So if you ever feel as an outcast, expelled, rejected. That is not from God. That is from the enemy who steals, kills, and destroys. John 13, Jesus gave us the challenge. I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other as just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. I'm just going to say it. That means you have to love a Democrat 
and a Republican. And I'm going to be blunt. In the last 24 months, I don't believe the church of Jesus Christ has proven to the world that, you, that we are his disciples by the love we have shared and conveyed to those people of different mentalities, different beliefs, and different preferences. Be blunt. We, the church in general, have sucked at it. We've drawn lines, we've drawn boundaries. We've said, I'm going to love this person. I'm going to love a homosexual person, but I'm not going to, I'm going to love a heterosexual person, but I'm not going to love a homosexual person. I'm going to love a person of my color of race, but I'm not going to love a person of another color of race. We have to be light, and that means we love everyone. We honor and we love and we respect them just the way God loves and honors and respects us. Amen. Number two, a legacy of reaching the lost. We, these are in order. We have to love first. But I believe there is no greater, greater priority in the kingdom of God than finding God's lost kids. And just remember, if you have little ones, or remember the time when you had little ones, that, that moment of panic, when you turn around in the store and your three-year-old is gone, don't sit there all, oh, I never have that thought. Someone has kidnapped my child. A child molester has my child. My, my, my child is in danger. My child is in harm. And, and, and my daughter, Allison, loved to hide in those circular rounders of clothing. And I gave her the what for a couple times because she scared the fire out of me. And you know what? That's the fire that we have to have for our city. I can't change Pueblo, and I can't change Denver, and I can't change California. <laughs> but you know who I'm responsible to change? I'm responsible to change Colorado Springs, Manitou Springs, Security, Widefield, Falcon, Monument, Palmer, Palmer, Palmer Lake and all the communities in this area, that's who you and I are responsible to change. Luke chapter 10 and verse 19, Jesus put it this way, the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. That was his purpose. But here's what you have to realize. I'm gonna say this as gently and as nicely as I can. Our level of concern for the lost is an indicator of our relationship to the Father. I'm going to say it again. Our level of concern for the lost is an indicator of our relationship with the Father. What do you mean? I'm saying if your relationship with the Father is cold, you're going to be cold, callous, and careless about anyone else going to heaven or hell here in this community. 
But the more time you and I spend in nurturing the Father's heart, in spending time in the Father's word, in spending time in the Father's presence, the more time we spend in the Father's presence, we can't help but do something because somebody's dying and they're going to hell. Somebody might die today in my city and they might go to hell and I give a hell about it. Why? Because I know the heart of my father. I think sometimes we come to the father and, and we're like, Daddy, 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 I need this. Daddy, can I get this? Can I buy this? And when my daughter Allison is missing, Alicia, I don't care. If you want candy, just get it. I don't care. I got to find your lost sister. But where is our heart? Daddy, here's what I need. Daddy, I want this. Daddy, I need this. What if we got excited, passionate, spent time with our Father where we could grow in His love? We had His heart. We had His passion. We had His love that His life so infected ours that it moved us past our insecurities. It moved us past our, I don't know what to say. I feel awkward in witnessing. I feel intimidated to invite someone to church that the love compelled us and drove us to find God's lost kids. Jesus was so passionate, he put it this way. If a farmer has a hundred sheep and 99 come into the, to the barn and one is missing, he'll abandon the 99 to go and save the one. That's our heart. Why do we have an ice cream truck? Because as we heard last week, giving away good ice cream treats draws people to the kingdom of God, draws them to church where they can be changed and transformed by the living word of God and they can make a decision to say yes to Jesus Christ. Why do we buy Christmas presents and give them to the parents so they can have the honor and respect of giving to the kids? But why do we bring them on our property? Why do we say come here? Because that we might win some to Christ through meeting that need. Why do we have our shuttle bus that picks up, give a big shout out to all of our, our Air Force cadets that are in the house today, that picks up our Air Force cadets? Why do we have a shuttle bus that next service goes and picks up the senior citizens from the senior apartment complexes so that we might win some to Christ? Why do we have small groups that we might have another entry point into the kingdom of heaven other than a Sunday morning service that you can invite your friends and it be an atmosphere where we might win some to Christ? Why do we have a women's event coming up this Friday night? Because someone just might come to a fancy little tea party, whatever you ladies do thing, that we might win some to Christ? Why do we spend thousands of dollars to buy little hugs the bears and put them in police cars and, and sheriff's cars and fire trucks that we might win some to Christ? The Bible records Jesus' interaction with 132 people in the four Gospels. Only 10, 132 personal interactions only 10 that were recorded happened in the temple or the synagogue. 122 were made in the field of life. 
Jesus ate with the sinners. He talked with the prostitute. He hung out with everyday people. He didn't seclude himself from the world, but we want to be what Jesus is, a church that reaches beyond the walls of a building to fulfill a need in the community. And in Mark chapter 2, the religious people got on his case. Teachers of the religious law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and other sinners. They asked his disciples, why does he eat? New Living Translation, with such scum. When Jesus heard this, he's told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. We are the legacy of Jesus Christ. We've got to reach with the legacy of his love, and we need to reach with the legacy of reaching the lost. And number three, it's a legacy of sharing the good news. Luke chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He said in Luke chapter 4, verse 43, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God. You and I are called to share that same good news we've just been talking about. When we, we, we have, it's not bad news. It's the good news that God loves you. God forgives you of your sin. He accepts you just the way you are. He, he wants to be a father to you. He wants to have a relationship with you. That's good news. And Romans chapter 10 gives us the challenge. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Note the word everyone. Not certain people. Not predestined people. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how? How can they call on him to to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? We have been challenged in Mark 16. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Your co-workers, your neighbors. It's, it's, it's who we are. It's what we're about. We're not just here, the frozen chosen that come together. We're not just here about us. It's about us reaching our city. It's about us changing our neighborhoods, changing our workspace. Number four, a legacy of ministry with God's power. A legacy of ministry and God's power. What did Jesus do? It says in Acts 10, 38, it says that then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by who? Everyone say it. The devil, not oppressed by God. He went about healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Sickness and disease is not from God. For God was with him. 
And so he's going around setting people free. And in John chapter 14, he gives us the clarity on how we are to act and respond. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it. I will do it so that the Father might be glorified. And then he challenges this in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. He says, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Colorado Springs, in Fountain, in, in Woodland Park, and to the ends of the earth. We're called to do that. His power is placed within us. He said, when you don't know what to say, my spirit will give you the words to say. When you feel frustrated and overcome and, and, and you're like, I, I, I'm just not a public speaker. I'm not a public speaker. I didn't know I was. You think all I do is stand up here and I just hear what the Spirit of God said this week and I hear what the Spirit of God's saying today and I just share it. I'm not that great of a human being. But I know the voice of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 20 says, For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. What amazing faith that Jesus has in us, that he's entrusted us to carry on his mission and to carry on his work. And see, I think sometimes we mystify what ministry is. I love the, the 20-some students. We're going to be honoring them next service uh, that, that are, are completing our first round of school of ministry. Because they just said, I, I want to know how to minister to people. Well, let me tell you this. It's, it's not as mystical as it seems. Ministry is, here's the best definition of ministry. Ministry is giving the right thing at the right time. You see, if I'm hungry, that's nice, but gas in my car doesn't really help me. I can't drink it or eat it. Ministry is giving the right thing at the right time. It's hugging someone who's having a tough day. It's giving a helping hand to someone who is overloaded. It might be babysitting to give a couple a night out to enjoy each other's friendship. It might be an encouraging text. It might be a phone call that you feel prompted by the Holy Spirit to allow someone to dump their cares, their fears, and their worries. It might be bringing a meal to someone who is sick. It might be putting your hand on someone's back or shoulder and saying, I believe in you. It might be waking up in the middle of the night and praying when you don't know who or what you're praying for, but you pray in the Spirit and you say, Holy Spirit, help me to pray, and I'll pray for that person. I'll pray for that need. Ministry is this, finding a need and filling it. Just find a need and fill it. And our last legacy we're going to talk about today is a legacy of service and sacrifice. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. I'm here to serve you, bless you, help you, aid you, benefit, sow in your life, give to you. John 15, 13 says this, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And here's what it is. 
To serve is going to cost you something. To serve is going to be a sacrifice. You see, I enjoyed the worship set. Man, they were, they were thumping. Man, that first song. Man, I, 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 the, the guitar. I was like, yeah. They just didn't show up a few minutes before service starts and say, hey, let's do this song and do that song. That coffee didn't magically just appear in those dispensers this morning. Those rooms that have been cleaned and ready for your children took some sacrifice. To serve others, to help others, to aid others, it's going to cost us something. Maybe time, maybe some energy, maybe some physical strength, maybe some finances. But Jesus came to serve. And in 1 John chapter 3, it challenges here. It says we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. That was sacrifice. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and our sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. They will know we are Christians by our love. Let's love people. Let's serve people. Let's minister to them. Let's transform them. Let's change them. Let's add to them. Let's draw into the Father and extend the legacy that he has given to us. Amen. Would you stand to your feet with me? It's Christmas season officially. Thanksgiving is past. Turn on the Christmas music, get your Christmas hat, get your Christmas decorations out. We are in it to win it for Christmas, okay? But what if we were to make this Christmas different from any Christmas we have ever experienced before? What if we said, God, in the next 20 some odd days, just shy of 30 days. I want to do something amazing this Christmas season. I want to meet a need. I want to minister to someone. I want to bring hope to someone. God, I, I want to help someone that's in crisis. I got an email this week from a member that said that his friend had passed, leaving a wife and five children. And that they are in a world of hurt. He passed just a several weeks ago. I don't know all the situation. Me and my staff are going to dig into it. I'll let you know how we can help. Right now, I know they're looking for a house to rent. I don't know what size or house, but if you have a house that can hold five kids and a mom and that doesn't have a rental history or work history because the husband was the provider, she was staying at home with the kids. But what would happen? If we said, this Christmas isn't about my wish list, it's about God's wish list. Not about what I'm going to get, but what I'm going to give. 
What, Lord, do I have that I can give? We're going to dive into that more next week. But I want to be a giver this Christmas, not a receiver. Heavenly Father, there are those of us here that we have prejudice. We are biased. We have preferences when it comes to people. God, forgive us. Forgive us for not seeing humanity, our neighbor, our co-worker, maybe even a fellow church member, the way that you see them, you love them, and value them. God, we repent as a people. And God, we say we are going to love and honor and respect every human being just the way you do. And God, in our 24-hour period of life, who knows if we pass five or 25 that don't know you, that if their life was to end today, they would spend eternity in hell. And we're so busy about our things, our mission, our task, our Christmas list, that we get in a hurry and we don't stop to say, Lord, I'm picking up a few items here at Walmart, but who do you want me to minister to today? Who do you want me to share the good news with? What lost child do you want me to find and bring home to you, God? Who can I share the good news with? Who could I encourage today? Who could I bless? Who could I help? Who could I serve? Who could I give? Who could I be of a benefit to? God, forgive us for being selfish. selfish in this world that we think it's all about us God forgive us and let our lives be all about you and the legacy the inheritance that you have given to us and we can pass and we can transfer to others and Father most of all I pray right now that every person in this sound of my voice both here and watching online that the Holy Spirit of love would touch you right now that you would know the Father's love the width the height the depth the length of his love for you Father, let your love permeate their life. Let your love permeate their self-defeating thoughts. Let your love overcome the lies and the deceptions that have been told to them. Lord, I release your love to soak, drench, 
Saturate them right now. And Father, give us your heartbeat. Give us your heartbeat. But those that you want us to share the good news with. Give us a picture of their face. We might not even know their name. Give us a picture of their face in our minds. Show us who you want to show the love that you've given to us, that you want us to demonstrate the love to that person. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You can look up. That love, that love that sets people free Now, I just want to share something. I'm going to give you an inside story. And I'm going to lay out a challenge. If you were here first service last Sunday, not one person raised their hand. If you were here second service, when I gave the invitation to accept Christ, not one person raised their hand. But eight people, I don't want a reaction because I want to show you something. But eight people took the time to pull out a card, give us their name and their information, and check on a box, I'm starting new in my walk with God or I'm starting over in my walk with God. Now, I'm pleased and I'm tickled that they did that. But I want to challenge us as a church that it's not about filling out a card. It's about standing up for Jesus Christ. We're not called to be secret ninja agents for the kingdom of God. Don't let anyone know that you're a believer and a follower of Christ. And I tell you, it happens every single week. We will have two to four raise their hand in service, and there will be 10 to 15 that fill out a card. Can I just tell you where my heart and faith is for each one of you? Is that you would have a boldness. Acts chapter 4, Lord, grant unto your servants all boldness that we might proclaim your word with boldness and clarity. I pray for boldness in this church family. That when somebody's going to come and say, Jesus, I want to follow you, we're not going to, shh, let me sneak you in the back door. No. I want to open up the front door to the throne room of heaven. And I want to walk you right down and let everyone know you are coming home, that you have been found, that you are coming home to Father God. And there's not anything to be ashamed about because the Bible declares when just one person says, I'm going to walk down the center aisle, the front door, and be a part of the family of God, that all of heaven, every angel in heaven, all of the saints in the past begin to celebrate, begin to praise and give glory to God for the one that has accepted Christ. So here's my challenge. If you've never made a public declaration of your faith, 
and said, I'm following Jesus. I'm going to ask you to do it today. And maybe you filled out the card last week or two weeks or three weeks ago. I'm going to ask you to make a public declaration of your faith. And if you're here and you haven't ever filled out a card, but you say, you know what? I need the love of God. And I want the inheritance that he has for me. And I want to be a part of God's family. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to ask you to stand up boldly for Jesus. Because when he hung naked on that cross, he wasn't ashamed. He wasn't ashamed. Because he was doing it for you. And now he's saying, will you take a stand for me? I'm going to count to three. Whether one hand goes up or 25 hands go up, this place is going to begin to cheer and celebrate for each person who says, yes, I'm publicly declaring I need Jesus and I want to be a part of God's family. Someone will come and pray with you right where you are. If you prayed it in the past and people come, just say, you know what? I've already prayed that prayer. But if you've never prayed that prayer, they'll gladly lead you into that prayer. Amen? Come on. Let's stand up for Jesus. It's Christmas. He was born for your sake. And he died for your benefit. And he lives today so you can live with Christ. On the count of three, let's stand up for him. One, two, three. Shoot that hand up really, really high. Anyone in this place? There's one right there. There's one back there. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else? There's one right there. Way to go. There's another one. Anybody else? Anybody else? Come on, church. All right. Awesome. Proud of them doing that. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you've enjoyed the service. If you live here in Colorado Springs or you're going to be in the city, I hope that you'll come and experience the service firsthand. And for those of you that are enjoying the ministry and you're being fed to on a weekly basis, I invite you to partner with us financially and make an investment into the mission and the vision of Rock Family Church. And lastly, if you've never made a commitment and a decision to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, would you make that decision today? Why wait till tomorrow? Why wait till next weekend? I dare you to pray this prayer with me. Would you close your eyes? Would you pray this prayer with me and repeat it? It goes like this. Pray this with me. Say, dear God, forgive me of all of my sins and mistakes. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And I invite him to be the Lord of my life. Thank you for loving me and forgiving me. My life is now in your hands. Jesus Christ is my Lord. Amen. Hey, thanks for making that commitment. Will you email us at info at rockfamilychurch.com. Tell us about your new decision to stand up big and live strong for Jesus Christ. We'd love to celebrate with you. God bless you guys. We'll see you next weekend.